Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. I am Rob Peasel from CBC Sports, joined as always by the two line mates who are always in much better weather than me. I am just outside of Toronto, and it is freaking freezing out there today and i gotta jump on this thing and see russo in the bahamas and jesse in vegas sun shining through your windows you two are bastards and i hate everything that you guys represent how are you <laughs> we're doing great and we're gonna be in uh, even better weather uh tomorrow when jesse and i both arrive at the all-star weekend to cover it with the athletic with mark lazarus so that'll be in fort lauderdale rob so we'll have to send you some pictures i repeat bastards uh, jesse's just laughing he's just like this is the best you know i go from 100 degree weather to 101 degree weather i mean tough life you lead yeah. There, Jesse. yeah i just got back from new york city <laughs> so i will say it was pretty cold in new york city um although it was it was a good trip i had a good time um spent like six days up there uh with the golden knights so not not always warm weather for us and and mike does live in minnesota <laughs> so i mean we gotta like we gotta True. let Mike enjoy his his Bahamas when he's yeah. his Fort Lauderdale when he's got the chance. He does live yeah. in Minnesota, and it's double digit sub zero for like a week in Minnesota. Right. So I've actually I I'm actually impressed with myself because uh, Minnesota fans know that I have a tendency whenever it's super cold in Minnesota and I'm out in California or Arizona or Florida to send them constant pictures on uh, Twitter, and <laughs> I haven't done one single one uh, this week to let them uh, be jealous about. Just come back with a wicked tan. Yeah. Just be like, oh, me? Yeah, what's going on? How's it going, guys? <laughs> um, as always, guys, we, we recap the whole week. We got a lot to get through. Um, should mention Jeff Chikrin, uh, Jacob's dad, uh, is going to be joining us in the second half of the show. He also does pre and post uh, analysis for the Florida Panthers. We'll talk about his alumni game tonight. We'll talk about the All-Star festivities. And, of course, 
we ask him where the hell his son's going to end up because it seems as though he's been on the trade block for a very, very long time. Um, but we've got a bunch of other stuff we got to get to before that. And uh, I think where you know where I'm going to start, guys. It finally happened. Bo Horvat is no longer a Vancouver Canuck. We knew what was going to happen. It was not a matter of uh, if, it was a matter of when. He is now a New York Islander coming the other way. Anthony Beauvillier. Anthony Beauvillier. There, I got it right the second time. There's not two of them in there. Um, Aturati and a protected first round pick in the 2023 draft. Your first impressions. I, I, I was going to call it a blockbuster deal. I don't know if it's a blockbuster deal, but of the deal, Jesse. Yeah. My initial impression was it was a good trade for the Islanders. I was honestly surprised. And I feel like looking at social media, I'm in the minority here. A lot of people were wondering why they would make this trade. I see an Islanders team that are they elite? No, but they're right on the playoff bubble. They're like one or two points out of the playoffs right now. They're they're losing games two to one every night. They have the best goalie in the league right now in Ilya Sorokin, who is to me, stealing games and then still not getting it because his team cannot score goals. They don't have the forward talent. You've got Matthew Barzell trying to do everything. He, he can't do it all by himself. To me, adding a very, very high-end center to this group who can help them score. He's having his best scoring year of his career. And they didn't give up that much for him. Like I, Yes, they, they paid a price for him. But to me, it was it was a lower price than I expected to see. I think this is a good move for a team that is right there on the bubble. Now, are they? does this make them Stanley Cup contenders? No. But I think it gets them to, if, if he can help this offense score, this is a playoff team. And we've all seen, once you get in the playoffs, crazy things can happen, especially if you have a hot goalie, which this team for sure has. So I, I liked the move. And, and I felt I was a little surprised that the reaction was as negative as it was on social media. What do you think, Michael? It- yeah, I think, uh, you know, first of all, I think that a lot of people just want to be, re- you know, negative toward the Canucks these days, um, you know, and Bavolier is a heck of a player. Um, Rati, the jury's out, and we'll see what they could do with the first-round pick eventually when they got it. Um, you know, I'm a little surprised that Lou Lamorello would give that much up, um, not having any contract talks, but I think that he probably was given assurances that maybe, um, as Pierre Lebrun has reported, um, that Horvat w- would, you know, would have been on, w- uh, that the Islanders would be on Horvat's preferred list of teams potentially on the open market this offseason anyway. So, you know, I think he's taking a, 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 you know, educated risk there, which he always does. I mean, look, uh, you know, I mean, the one thing about Lou Lamorello is that, you know, he does not, he's given up big prices before um, for this type of situation, so then cross his fingers and hope they can get a contract done. And, and he's also gone to free agency before you know without signing guys and said all right if you're leaving you're leaving and we'll, we'll react and we saw that with parisi once upon a time he's done that a million times actually um so that's just the way that lou uh, rolls the dice here and w- we'll see if it works um you know I, I guess the biggest thing is we will have to see if he resigns there right because you know i i do look at this islander team right now even with horvat as a team in that division that's probably going nowhere so if you just gave up these three significant assets right now for two and a half months of, of Bo Horvat. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be a swing and a miss um, if he doesn't resign there. You know, the, the, I guess the one thing, the other thing with me is that, you know, from the package that they got, again, it's going to be the jury's out on what they're getting with Ratti and, and the first round pick. I'm a little surprised that the Canucks didn't wait and try to use that package that they were potentially getting from the Islanders as leverage for other teams to try to up the price. But, you know, the other thing is, is that we're seeing around the league right now, a lot of pending free agents get hurt. 
know, Gus Nyquist is out for the season. It was just reported this morning. Um, you know, Joel Edmondson just got hurt. Um, it, it just seems to be there's there's one other name that I just saw recently. Tarasenko that, and O'Reilly both got yeah, hurt in St. Louis. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, so like I think part of it too is that I think it's a, it's a reminder to these GMs that like, yeah, I have this great asset, but with one you know shot block, one hit you know to the head, one one crunch into the corner, you could throw all that away. And I think that maybe the Canucks said, you know what, this is a heck of a package. Let's get it done now and uh, continue with our plan to try to get Bedard. <laughs> Lou Lamarillo has been doing this since checks notes the day before forever. He's been, I just refuse to believe he's making this deal without some sort of, not assurances. I don't want to say that, you know, Bo Horvat will be an Islander, but he rarely really just rolls the dice. And if he he has a lot of knowledge, they're, they're, they're loaded dice. Okay. And he is an utter expert, the goat of keeping things quiet. Yep. Uh, this is such a Lou Lamarillo trade. You know what I mean? Like he, every Lou Lamarillo trade comes right out of the blue because he's, that's the way he operates. Um, I think the venom that you were talking about, Jesse, just stems from the fact that ordinarily when you have a quote unquote rental player, and I'm not saying he's a rental player yet, but a, a pending UFA who's dealt near the deadline, it's to a team that's either a contender or thoroughly in a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. There's a legit chance they don't make the playoffs and then you're losing a mid-first round pick for for nothing. Right. That's where I think the risk kind of comes into play. I, I will admit that I was kind of just assuming that Horvat's going to resign there. If he doesn't, like Michael brings up great points. Like yeah. if he doesn't resign, yeah. the trade's a complete disaster for the Islanders. I'm assuming he's going to... Hockey players, this is not the NBA. Like I, I feel like he's going <laughs> to sign this deal. And, um, and as Rob said, Lou knows, right? right. I mean, <laughs> you know... Lou, Lou, I Lou love all the press. Keep, like, oh, yeah. we haven't talked yeah. yet. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I know. <laughs> Lou, uh, Lou, I love Lou, but he gets away with murder in this league, and he has, as Rob said, forever. I mean, and so just because it's out there that they haven't had conversations doesn't mean that there's not some inside knowledge of what potentially could happen down the pike. Uh, you're right. It's a huge package to give up if you are only going to have it for two and a half months, and Lou probably uh, doesn't take that risk if he doesn't have a good good sense. The, the contacts this man has, even for crying out loud, even just no, people who know Horvat floating the, the word Islanders into his head to see it. There's no way he has, hasn't done some sort of due diligence. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. I just yeah. I like teams going for it. And like the Islanders have a goalie who's having an yeah. incredible season and they are wasting it. And it's like, go out. And there's a there's a number one center available who's scoring every night. One goal a night, suddenly the Islanders are winning 75% of their games. Sorokin, can we, can, you know, you know the, uh, the like, other thing that, you know, that we haven't talked a lot about is Horvat as a player here. Like, I don't know. There seems to be this perception out there that this is like some fluky season because he's having a career year. He's still young. He's a phenomenal player. Yes. Like a phenomenal player. Like, like he's not some third line checker. This is a, a guy that plays incredibly in all areas of the game. He has for a long, long time. He can skate well. Um, you know, this is not somebody that's just going to regress into oblivion. Um, you know, I, I do. I, I, in terms of the actual trade and picking up the player, if he resigns there for seven, eight years, I mean, man, that's that's a that's a good pickup. And and so, um, you know, I don't know what it is lately that's just bothering me. But there, there's, you know, I think a lot of it sometimes is the 
the picking and prodding of today's day and age of every single player or looking at analytics and things like that and just saying, all right, w- what kind of player this is. And I don't know why there just seems to be, maybe I'm just seeing the wrong types of tweets and the wrong type of analysis, but there's a lot of people out there that just are almost pretending that this is just some, you know, middle six guy. And I don't, uh, every time I cover a game or watch a game with the Vancouver Canucks, Horvat sticks out to me as just a sensational yep. hockey player. I agree. It's the UFA factor. Yep. It's the UFA. Like, you know, it all, it, it's, it's always convenient when a guy has a career year when he's about to get. Absolutely. Me. You know what and I mean? It happens and that's, all the time. And that's what Jim Rutherford said. Jim Rutherford said it a yep. couple of weeks ago when he said, we made him an offer based on his resume leading up to this year. Well, that resume has changed, guys, and you can't make that. He's he's earning his pay, and I'm sorry, that, and that's why people. Fly. I yeah. don't want to fluke, but yeah. I think they just look at it like, yeah. oh, when money's there, that, that's and, and look, your best the resume year. up to this year was outstanding as well. Um, you know, they, I think they sure. just don't want to give anybody a penny more than Miller, which is hey, uh, all those teams have that upper echelon. You know, New Jersey's not going to probably go over Hughes on certain. You know, every team has that ceiling that they say everybody else needs to come up to that ceiling. Or adios, you know, in 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 what Detroit it used to be Lidstrom, um, you know, it's it happened in Minnesota. There's no way that anybody's ever getting over Kaprizov. Um, that's just the way that w- life works. And I think that when they signed Miller to that deal, they just said, "All right, Horvat's got to be under it." And Horvat's like, "You know what? I'm going to go have a 50 goal season." Sorry, <laughs> that's the, <laughs> the way it works. Let's switch gears here a bit, guys. Um, very interesting week because Bobby Hall passed away. Uh, ordinarily, when someone with his resume in hockey passes away, it it becomes pretty big swan song. You know, you got a big farewell. You look back at his time on and off the ice. Tributes, numbers are sewn onto jerseys. Numbers are painted on the ice. It's it's a pretty simple um, formula that we see teams do. But this one's a little bit different. I'm really curious to get your, your opinions uh, given what you both do and what we all do. Um, because it seems like two Bobby Halls passed away this week. The first one, one of the all-time greatest players. You can't argue with his credentials. Hall of Famer, two heart trophies, helped revolutionize the game in more ways than one. And Bobby Hall number two, I'll just flat out say it, uh, a pretty terrible human being. Domestic abuse allegations from not one but two ex-wives, has been called a Nazi sympathizer, has been quoted as saying Hitler, quote, had some good ideas. Um Mark Lazarus wrote a great piece for The Athletic. If you haven't read it, go go give this a read. Uh, and one line that just jumped out to me is he said, a man died, a hero did not. So my question to both of you guys, um, how do people like us cover this? Because we are hockey reporters, but this man was more than just a hockey player. Russo, you've been doing this longer than both me and Jesse. What do you think? Well, I think I think that Mark Lazarus piece is just sensational. And, you know, I think he's one of the I best, um, and I'm sure Jesse would agree with this. He's one of the best columnists we have, period, in any, yep. um, any capacity. His ability to have a thought and, you know, blow it out in 2,000 words in a short period of time is like nobody else, I think, that we have on the hockey side. Um, he is such a value to us. Um, I watched it firsthand during the uh, during the um, you know open house meeting that he that he got into it with R- Rocky Wirtz uh, uh, last year, and it was uh, the, how quickly he put out that piece and everything was just unbelievable, um, and and a great piece. And I just think that um, you know what he said in that column is true. Like we don't you know like the the reality is is that this 
a proper obit for this man had to be done eventually. So to me, the, the, the biggest objection could be the timing. Do you let the fans and the family mourn for one day and then go and write who the real Bobby Hull is? Or you just do it at the time. And I think the timing was appropriate here. You know, as, as somebody I know that it respects really well is that the world doesn't need any more fairy tales, right? He was just a bad guy. Great hockey player, a bad guy. And, I, and this is not just a couple of little instances. This has been documented over and over and over again. And so I, I think that we did a, a, a really quality job with this. I think it is a tough, tough line to walk as a uh, writer and a, as a reporter and as a journalist. Um, unfortunately, Mark Lazarus has a lot of practice in writing these stories because that organization has been so toxic in many different avenues here the last couple of years. Um, with the beach and then the whole way that Rocky Wirtz handled it last year and everything. So um, it, it's it's a tough thing, but I don't think that we're doing our job if we don't tell the real human being and, and just do what everybody does when somebody dies. And that's just ignore the bad stuff and say all the great stuff and try to make him into a hero. And so I think this was the right thing to do. Um, and I'm sure that the 750 comments were civil on Mark Lazarus's story. I'm sure it was just, you know, great, great stuff and really healthy uh, debate inside that article. I I read every one of them, right? Yeah, I I totally agree with everything Michael just said. Um, the the question you posed, Rob, how do we cover this exactly like Mark Lazarus just did? Yeah, um, yeah. I when I when I saw his headline and I saw the the tweet come out, I as a as a journalist, I would not want to be in the position that yeah. Mark was in. That is not a good an easy position to be in. That's a really tough. And like M Michael said. He's been in a lot of tough positions and he handles it so well. I feel like after reading that story, I am better equipped to handle a like if I were put in a similar situation, I'm better equipped to handle it than it's I was prior to reading Lazarus. Yep, it's story a template. He told both sides of the story and he kept going. And I, I loved how and he kind of went back and forth, back and forth. This man was an amazing hockey player. Look at what he did. You can remember him for all these things, how he revolutionized the game, how he in a lot of ways made it so that players could make the amounts of money they make now. But off the ice, he was a horrible person. And I agree with what he said that we don't expect, you don't expect the Chicago Blackhawks to, to when, when they hold a moment of silence or whatever they do at the game, they don't need to announce over the loudspeakers that this man was a horrible person. That's not their, that's not their position. That's not their place to do that in that setting. But Mark Lazarus is the person that should be doing that. And he did. Um, yeah. And I agree with Mike. The only, the only possible hole you could poke in it is the timing is should we give people time to 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 grieve before you do that but i agree with everything michael said it's when are you going to do it is does it really matter if you wait one day um, and, it, and, 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 and in I, this case if you don't do it you know in that one day you're going to be batting bash by the people that remember the fact that this guy right. was a was a bad man and and that's the thing and to me his column was so fair because you know that the Blackhawks and the NHL were having the same conversations behind the scenes yep. how do we handle this and yep. and he just pointed that out and you know what I don't like and we saw we you know we had Charlie O'Connor on recently after the whole Provorov situation and look, uh, you know, uh, though it, we're in a day and age where everybody bashes the media, we are just doing our jobs. I mean, that is it. We're not, you know, uh, the people that say, oh, we're just throwing politics out there and all that. This is the story. And and I just don't understand. Like, I, I did glance at the at the comments and it just is so fashionable 
to just bash on reporters. And I don't know how anybody, no matter what side of the fence you are on, if you thought Bobby Hull was the greatest hockey player in history, how you could read his column and then, uh, you know, annihilate the writer for that column. I mean, to me, it was a it was a perfect column to get you to start thinking as a fan on how do you how do you um you know uh uh you know really take these two things um on the Bobby Hull the hockey player and Bobby Hull the human being and and try to um you know justify whether or not he should be honored the way that that we all thought that he would would have been and before we knew all this bad stuff about him. Funny thing is he he weaved he weaved it perfectly exactly right. what Jesse said with the back and forth, right? There's no way as a hockey reporter you could ignore that we're talking about one of the greatest hockey players of all time, but you can't ignore the other aspect too. And, and you talked about the comments. So I try my best sometimes not to read comments yeah. on controversial stories because it just gets me angry. But um, there were people who were just writing the hockey angle and people were saying, how could you, how could you celebrate a man who's done ba 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 ba? And then there were people who were just writing the off ice angle and the commentator or the commenters would, you know, how could you ignore the fact that this is, one of the greatest of all time. Whereas Lazarus intertwined both. Now you did mention you sure you're sure that the Blackhawks and the, the NHL were having that same meeting at the exact same time. That's my next question to you guys. What do they do? It's all star all star week is coming up, guys. I mean, it, it's that if if this was anyone with that doesn't have a checkered off ice reputation, and checkered is a horrible word. I shouldn't use that of a, a terrible off ice reputation. We see huge tributes. Do they do anything? Do we see the Blackhawks really do anything other than a moment of silence? I mean, their first home game, I believe it's February 7th. They've got time to think about it, but yeah, I, I don't know what you do in this situation. If yeah, it were I, me, if I was making tough. a decision, I would, I would say the Blackhawks just do a moment of silence, and I don't think it needs to even be brought up during this weekend. That's just me. I, I don't think there, I, there's no – to me, the only – like I think it would be an easy afterthought to say that, you know, hey, they ignored it. And if you mention it, you're only just bringing on the debate. Like, I don't see any need to take a celebration for hockey and even acknowledge it. I mean, that's just me. Um, I don't, I'm sure there's a lot of people that disagree. Um, but look, um, I guarantee you, Bobby Hull's not going to be the only hockey player that's played in this game that's died this week, right? I mean, like, that's just the way that, that the world works. There's, you know, gazillion players that ever played the sport. I don't think that there's any, any, need to even bring it up uh, at the All-Star game. I, I totally agree that the All-Star game, there's no place for it um, just because of everything. And like you said, it's gonna all it's going to do is bring up the debate. And to me, it this weekend's a celebration of hockey. In terms yeah. of how the Blackhawks handle it, I think it's a lot more difficult. I think that's... I'm glad I'm not one of the people that has to make that decision. Um, and I think that they, it, they definitely have to handle it uh, carefully. Um, I Like I said... I part of the what I thought was so great about Mark's piece is he didn't tell you how you should feel about this whole situation Yeah, because it's complicated. He basically said it's hard to figure out how we should feel about this. Um, and it is. It's tough. Like it, he was a great hockey player and he also was a terrible human being off the <laughs> ice and did a lot of horrible things. And and to to. In the grand scheme of things, one is more important than the other, right? Yes. Being a terrible person off the ice is way more important than being a, a good hockey player. But this is a hockey show and he's a hockey writer. So the two kind of end up being 50-50 and we sit here debating like, 
well, half of it's good, half of it's bad. But like, like in the grand scheme of life, it's not 50 50. One thing is way more important than the other. And being a good, but human that's, being that's what people are arguing that important. we should right. not even be bringing up Bobby Hall because right. of those, those terrible right. things. Whereas again, I'm not saying they're right. They're wrong, but you cannot have hockey reporters not mentioning Bobby Hall's death. And, and you're right. Like, and there, this is to varying degrees. I mean, I grew up just loving a good example is the Cosby show. I could quote every line from the Cosby show there is. When I found out what kind of human being Bill Cosby was, I haven't watched it since. You know, I, it just, you try to make those sacrifices, but this one was a tough one. I think the Blackhawks are in the toughest spot. I, I really yeah. do. So, and I, I if, if it were me again, I would just acknowledge it, have a moment of silence and move on because if they do anything greater, you're going to just offend people. I mean, I mean, th- to me, you know, I, I just, you know, the the Hitler stuff is the stuff that I needed to be reminded of today because we've all known about the, the um, you know, the domestic abuse, abuse and things yeah. like that. But they, like the good, you know, he had some good ideas. He just took it a little too far. Like I was just in the Holocaust Museum last week when we were in Washington. I mean, let's be honest. Hitler didn't have any good ideas. Okay. He was just, a, just one of, he was the worst human being that's ever walked this, this planet. Okay. And anybody that has even, uh, to me, a remote positive thing to say about that um, should not be honored in any type of way. Um, And so, to me, trying to say this eloquently, I say give him his 10 seconds and move on and enjoy the game. Well said. We're going to move on to uh, one more story before we go to break, guys. I know this is a podcast, so I will explain to the people who are listening, but we're also on YouTube. So, um, this year is an issue of the Hockey News from back in 1992 with one Gary Bettman on the cover with an NHL hat and NHL jersey, and I bring this up for a reason. Today is an anniversary, guys. February 1st, 1993, Gary Bettman officially took office as the first ever commissioner in NHL history. I want to bring up two stats um, that really jumped out to me when I saw this this morning. Um, He has presided over 55% of all games in league history which is crazy to me. That is very And crazy. 74% of current NHL players were born after the commissioner's first day in office. When you think Gary Bettman and his tenure as commissioner of the NHL, what pops into your head? Jesse? I mean, for me, it's... I've never known an NHL that wasn't Gary Bettman. He is the NHL commissioner. I don't, like... I honestly have a hard time with these, like how good of a commissioner is Gary Bettman, how bad of a commissioner, because to me, there's only one NHL and it's the NHL under Gary Bettman. I have no idea. I have no comparison of, of what it was before. Um, I think when you look at hockey, there's plenty of positives that like the game has taken a lot of big steps under Bettman. But I also think sports in general have become a massive part. Like I feel like no matter who was commissioner, hockey was going to take a lot of those steps. And when you look at, hockey compared to other sports in America, especially up in Canada, obviously it's the biggest, but down here it's way behind. So I think that it's also fair to, to wonder if, if someone else could have possibly done better during that time, just because hockey's not to me as, as a fan of hockey, it's my favorite sport in the world. I wish it was more popular. Um, so, so when I, when I look at it, I think he's done some awesome things. I think hockey's come a long way. Um, under him, but I also wonder 
like what it could have been if if it were someone else. What about yeah, you? Um, you know, I mean, I, I've I've been long consistent with that. I I think that he gets a much worse rap than anybody for two reasons. One is his 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 personality. You know, he could demeanor. be condescending. His demeanor, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his demeanor. I mean, there's no doubt, right? I mean, when he when he sits there and tells everybody with a brain and some eyes that that nobody tanks. I mean, that's the type of stuff that just prickles you to not like him. And I am somebody that has gotten to spend time with him. I, I genuinely actually like him. I certainly respect him. I covered this sport in the 90s when the, the product was not nearly as good, when there were teams having major, major crisis. And I, I have seen this team grow. To Jesse's point, I agree with you. Just the evolution of the world probably would have made it grow as well. Um, this team, this league has still a lot of ways to go. Um, you know, to, to J- Rob's point, his first question was, what do you think of when you think of Gary Bettman? I mean, the first thing that's always going to come into your mind is going to be work stoppages. I mean, that's just, that is going to be part of the legacy. There were three of them. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that is going to be part of the legacy as well. But, um, I, I do think that this is an, I think that the, that, the 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 sense i think that we're all in a position in all of our lives that we just criticize and criticize everything and i am somebody that looks at the bright side of this sport and and to your point love this sport and think it's an incredible product and i look at the leader of the sport and i say well he's got to get a lot of credit for that um and so that's that's just the way that i've uh loan felt i'm more shocked that rapizo has a 1992 hockey news just sitting there and it just makes me so uh, long for the day of that hockey news. Like I, I used to love picking up that that paper and and flipping through the actual newspaper, um, and not a magazine type thing. And it's just uh, that that used to be the best. Sorry, uh, we're just gonna interrupt you there, Russo. Jesse, see these. This is how we got our hockey news uh, back in 1992. For you young people that don't know exactly, <laughs> I love the hockey news when it was the newspaper. This was it. I love the fact that you could see every player's stat, albeit probably a few days old. Um, but yeah, this is one of those ones. Even I was, let's see, 13 when this happened. Um, I knew, I knew enough to keep it. I knew enough. This is one of those ones <laughs> I got to put in a box and not throw away just for times like this. Uh, we're going to go to break in a second before we do guys. I, I know you both probably want to throw a little something in here. Um, on Tuesday for the Athletic Hockey Show with Craig and Sean, they're going to be recapping the NHL's, uh, excuse me, the Athletics uh, 99 project, counting down the 99 best players uh, because Wayne, we know, is going to be number one. They're going to discuss some of the more controversial rankings because I don't care what the list is. People are going to disagree with it. That's what makes sport list so much fun uh so here's what you do if you disagree with any of it feel free to leave an email or a voicemail to express basically your opinions on the project and they may get played on the show so put nhl 99 in the subject heading you could drop a voicemail at 845-445-8459 that's 845-445 8459, or you can email at the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. Again, put NHL 99, bitch and moan all you want. And the better the bitch, the better the moan, the better the chances of you getting on the show. You guys were both part of this. Um, quickly, your thoughts on the list. Um, Jesse. Well, first of all, I th- uh, sorry. First of all, I think that we should give <laughs> Jeff Domet's cell phone number away to uh, our, our illustrious <laughs> producer and, ha- and have people just leave him voicemails. That's yes. Great. Ringing at all Jesse, times of the night. For- 
I, I think the list is awesome. I will say like at the end of this, it's going to be like a coffee table style book with all these stories. And yeah. I cannot wait to get my copy of it. It's going to be awesome. These, these have been some awesome stories. Um, in terms of the actual rankings, Rob already knows where I'm going with this. The goalies are not high enough. Come on. I like what the story I wrote. Martin Brodeur. Martin Brodeur is 21st on the list. He's first in every statistical category for a goalie. Now, do I don't even think he's the number one goalie, but if there were a skater who were number one in every single possible stat, would he be 21st on the list? Not a chance. They need to have the goalies higher. That's my that's my gripe with the list. Do you, do you agree that Hashik is one? Yes. Okay. Ha- yeah, I, I would rank it Hashik Wabrodur. I just think mm-hmm. they all three need a need a bump up. Yeah, yeah. No, that was uh, interesting. Um. All right. Now this is extremely awkward. I'll probably get fired for saying it because I was Whoa. part of the. I was Whoa. part of. The, I, Let's do it. I, I was part of the rankings for it, but I, I didn't like how we did the rankings. I, I thought the. I, I didn't like the whole process of it. I thought we what what I think that we should have done. I think we needed to open it up to more people with um, a pedigree of of long of knowledge in hockey being part of the list, um, not just dinosaurs like me and Eric Dehatchik. Um And I think um, we should have had old timers that were not affiliated with the athletic um, be part of the rankings as well. You know, call the Scotty Bowmans, call the Lunanis, um, you know, call the Bobby Orrs. And people like that be part of uh, the process, not just, you know, seven or eight, uh, a mix of young and, ho- and older hockey writers at The Athletic. Uh, so I, I just think that we could have had a better list um, that would have had more of a, you know, um, you know, I keep on losing my train of thought today uh, because I'm looking at all these palm trees outside, Rob. Um, but anyway, um, uh, I, hate the, your guts, I know, sorry. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just think that we could have had a more of a base of 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 longtime knowledge for the sport. Like even me, who've covered I've covered this is my 28th season covering the NHL. I, I don't you know, ranking that list. It was at, at points. It just felt like it, a dart at the dartboard especially when you get below like 40 and 50. Like I like you know I did Mike Madonna's and I thought we had him completely ranked poorly. Um you know inaccurately. Um I think Eiserman should have been higher. Um you know even me personally like I would have probably I probably had Bossy way higher than he en- ended it up. Um you know so I just I just think it could have been a more accurate list. Uh Russo since you have problems I have a suggestion for you pick up the phone call 845-445-8459 bitch and moan you'll get on the show um coming up after the break Jeff Chikrin Jacob's dad and analyst for the Panthers will talk a little bit of everything so don't go anywhere looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Okay, so as we mentioned, just a couple of days away from the All-Star festivities beginning in Florida. So good time to chat with Jeff Chikrin, pre- and post-game analyst uh, for the Florida Panthers and, of course, former NHLer. Jeff, how are you, sir? Very good. Very good. Thanks for having me, guys. I hope it's as uh, warm where you guys are as where I am now. It's not even close to as warm as you are. <laughs> I know it's a podcast, but I just see the sun shining through your window and... It just it just angers me. It's so cold just outside of Toronto, but um, I guess I guess you get that benefit, right? It's February. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of stuff, Jeff. We're going to talk Panthers. We'll talk All Star. We'll talk everything else. But I got to start with this alumni game you're playing in uh, tonight. Uh, Panthers alumni versus NHL alumni. And in our business, we're lucky enough to. Russo to rub shoulders with a lot of former players who play in a lot of alumni games and former players have a lot of things in common. But the one thing I always find that's crazy different for every player is how they handle these things. I've talked to players who said, I don't even know where my equipment is. I got to dig it up before I play. I've got other players who say I still play, you know, in a men's league three times a week. Other players say I got to get in shape. They try to, you know, they don't want to embarrass themselves. What kind of, what kind of alumni player are you, Jeff? Have you been preparing for this or is this, do you know where your equipment is? I'm a tweeners. I'm a tweener. So (laughs) I know where my gear is. I found it. I've used it a couple of times lately. Haven't played a whole heck of a lot of hockey in the last year. Um, but I know Danny Quinn, I saw he, he did a post. He hasn't touched his gear since COVID broke out. So there's uh, probably a few guys, but I'm ha- happy. I'm happy him and Ray Shepard are playing because I won't be the oldest guy. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking at this roster, Jeff. So we got, all right, on your, on your side, you got Ryan Klo, Trevor Daly, um, guys like uh, Darius Kasparitis. So, you know, you might get a little uh, physicality and some diving in the same <laughs> game. Um, Marlo, fresh off the ice. Eric Nystrom, I covered here in Minnesota. Um, let's see, Tuma Rutu, pretty much fresh off the ice, and Pierre Turgeon. And then you guys got da- against David Booth, Brian Boyle, David Emma, Thomas Fleischman, Bill Lindsay, one of the great Florida Panthers of all time, uh, tag team with Tom Fitzgerald back in the day, Roberto Luongo, Serge Paye, whose father was in the bathroom during his first NHL goal in Ottawa, yeah. Ray Shepard, Dennis Schwitke, one of the great first round picks. In Panthers history, Rhett Warner, Peter Worrell, Keith Yandel. Um, Russo, hold on, hold on. Before you get to your question, shouldn't we not have a rule for how many years you need to be retired before you're allowed to come out to an alumni game? I mean, Keith Yandel? Yeah, I'd be all for it. I think Merle just packed it in. But I actually, I mean, I I honestly, it's like I was telling Adeline, the Florida Panthers PR person, that I just wish I was, I came to, like, I'm coming to Florida for the All-Star weekend. I would give anything to be at this game to watch this because I just think it's going to be an absolute blast uh, to see how you guys handle this because there are, I mean, I think the competitive juices are going to come out in a game like this. I think it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of guys may have to defer to. I mean, I'm, I'm only about 26 years out of the game. So those guys that are fresh out of it, I'm sure we'll find someone, some young legs that can uh, <laughs> chase them around. <laughs> Uh, but it's going to be fun. Uh, I think uh, I think they're having it at the Ice Den in the stadium. I guess they, maybe they could have had it at the uh, Florida Live Arena uh, with the number of people. I've had a few calls lately, people wanting to come in. So I think that's that's just a positive. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the, the Ice Den is old, incredible ice, right? That's what it used to be? Correct. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So you have been on this ice sheet uh, for many, many, many years. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories that I've written at The Athletic is just uh, the story that I wrote on your son, Jacob, and Brandon Duham, uh, who plays for the Minnesota Wild. Um, you know, you and Trevor Duham, uh, Brandon's dad, used to coach these guys at Incredible Ice. We did. We did. I remember playing men's league, uh, probably the 
couple of years after I'd retired and uh, I saw this kind of young, couple of years younger than me for sure, uh, right shot and he was speaking French. So I knew he was from close to home for me. He could really play that white and yellow helmet on it. That guy's pretty good. Every time I poke, poke the puck from him, I hear a little French curse word coming out of him. So, <laughs> um, anyway, a couple of years, well, not a couple of years, probably a year later, uh, we, we get, I get handed my assignment for uh, introductory house league team. And uh, Trevor was my assistant coach with Brandon. So I was pretty excited. And we hit it off from day one. Uh, so we, yeah, we were able to, uh, the boys spent a lot of time in that rink, whether it was playing for us or doing academies or whatever was going on, but, uh, uh, just a great place to grow up. Uh, recently had dinner with my son and Shane Gospa here in, in, uh, Phoenix. And those two didn't know each other because Shane's a 93. So he's a few years older than Jake and Dewey, but to listen to them talk, Michael, you'd appreciate this from George Nuzio to all the guys that ran incredible ice and, and Jeff Campbell. And yep. it was the same kid growing up, the memories they remembered from the pro shop to the academies, to the wings of the bar up top. I mean, it was, they were the same kid. It really w- made my heart feel good. And just even saying that I have all these memories of, of those kids growing up. And that's the one thing that I think people don't realize that kind of, you know, they sometimes roll their eyes at, at South Florida is you, ha- I think it's just going to continue to grow when you have all these retired players around, you know, Ole Okunin just left, but I mean, you got Thomas Vokun and Radek Dvorak and, you know, now all of a sudden we're seeing the Patrick Marlowe. We have uh, tons and tons of Russian players that are moving down there and living there full time. I just think that hockey in Florida is just going to continue to grow the way it was when when you were first starting there with a lot of these young kids that are now in the league. Yeah, without a doubt. And especially with the success the club's had the past few years, that just compounds it. I know the kids that, you know, my son's generation, they all, they all saw that 97 team or whatever year it was, they went to the finals. They were all uh, sort of, their parents were bringing them to the ranks. They were, you know, a few years old and, and that just compounded the, the growth of the game for sure. Along those lines, how's uh, the all-star atmosphere right now? I'm sure yeah, I know that, you know, we're at a point now in the NHL where even with the, the skills competition, and everything else, every city's kind of put their own, trying to put their own flair on it. And I know Florida's going to do a lot of that too. Yeah, without a doubt, they had a big beach cleanup the other day. You're headed <laughs> by Randy Moeller and a lot of the staff. So that was, that was quite interesting. They've got all kinds of events. I know outside the uh, ice den today, there's going to be a lot of events, but they try to take a lot of things down to downtown Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I should be a little more up on all of the events that are going on, but it's been all over the news on the billboards and uh, everybody's pretty excited. It's nice that the Barkov and Kachuk are both playing in the event this year. I think that's really good for the growth here um, and well-deserved too, quite frankly, I think. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be a great event for the league and, and the local local hockey team and, and, and the, the Lightning. They all they benefit from all this as well. Jeff, um, you know, we 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 talked about your your day job as uh as uh, or night job, I should say, uh, doing pre yeah. and post for ba- for Valley Sports Florida, and and obviously it's been an interesting year for the Panthers. You know, a lot of expectations, high expectations coming in after the President's Trophy last year, and you know, winning around in the playoffs, which they hadn't done since '96, and and things like that, and and it looked like they were starting to play better hockey, and then they go into the break, you know, dropping three of the last four. Where do you see, um, you know, but they beat the Bruins, right? Who's in a bit of a right, funk right exactly. now, so. Like, where do you see this going now and, 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 and the expectations as they come out of the break? 
Well, I, I think there's a real trend to the positive with that hockey club right now. I mean, Paul Maurice has really stressed a lot of work from day one of training camp, like three feet from the boards, grinding things out and being on the right side of the puck, having that awareness. Um, as far as the teams, they're a different club than they were a year ago. I, I was talking to the assistant coaches uh, recently, and, uh, you know, if you look at the third line, for instance, they, they lose Mason Marchment. They don't have Lundell play on that third line. It's completely different than what they were able to march out there a year ago. Matthew Kachuk has had a huge impact on the club, but it's just, it's just different. And the back end, I actually think they're more solid than they were a year ago. Uh, Brandon Montour taking that next step. Um, but from, gosh, it was actually, it was January 3rd is the Coyote game here where I thought the Coyotes were really kind of pushing them in the second period. They ended up winning that game. And then they went on about a seven or eight game. I wouldn't call it a terror, but where their play was, they really struggled to play 60 minutes I found. And it just looked like they were really starting to make strides. They had that little bit of a tough trip as you're referring to the past, uh, four games where they lost in New York, they lost. Uh, almost double digits in Pittsburgh. Um, but I think the trend is really starting to step up. If you look at Barkov's play, I think he was injured at the start of the year. Ekblad was injured at the start of the year. Those two guys look a lot more comfortable. And you just see them. You just see where a guy like Barkov's able to have two or three guys hanging off him, you know, sort of playing those heavy minutes, really dominant in the face-off circle. And that's just sort of working its way down the roster. Kachuk. You got Verhage, and now you're missing players like uh, Hornquist. You got Anthony Duclair coming back soon. These will be like making trades for free guys coming back to solidify the lineup. I think things are going to really trend in the right direction the next two and a half months. I really do. I I fight it with the fan base all the time because they seem really negative right now. But I'm telling you, it wasn't very pretty when Quenville first got here either that first year, and then year two, and it was much improved. So. I really think that things are looking in the right direction. I think they, they're they learning. I, I think, case in point, that close game against Boston the other night, they weren't winning that game earlier in the year. Last year, they they won 4-3 in overtime. Uh, last year, maybe they would have won that game, you know, 8-5 instead of 4-3 because they just outscore all their problems. They're learning to play those close games, in my opinion. I think that's been the real stress. And most been trying not to slow down the pace that they play with. Um, they really, they really attack well through that neutral zone. So it's going to be interesting. They've got their work cut out for them, no doubt, but I think it's going to make the next two and a half months a lot of fun. Uh, Jeff, you said the word comfortable. How comfortable is Matthew Kachuk looked in that Panthers jersey? Wow. I mean, we can't say, we can't speak enough about him, quite frankly, uh, whether it's going to the dirty areas, uh, whether it's, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but he looks like he's coming with some pace to the neutral zone. Um, Maurice talks about him all the time, how he didn't actually fully appreciate, and he coached against them a lot when he was in Winnipeg and Calgary, the actual skill level that he brings, uh, the passing, um, the, the, the ability to create outnumbered situations that he does so often, um, whether it's, uh, just sort of taking a checker with him, even from the front of the net and creating something with a, with a nifty pass through his legs or to someone open, or obviously taking the goalie's ice away. He's just done. He's affected the game in so many ways. I really struggle to see, a, to remember a player that's gone to a new club and had that much of an impact on him on a nightly basis, extremely consistently. And so it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I, I think the fan base really appreciate it. You know, team success, uh, 
I think they're building on it. I really do. And, and, and it's going to get there. Uh, Jeff, um, I'm sure that you, uh, on an everyday basis, uh, go to all these trade boards around the NHL. Everybody <laughs> has one now. Um, somebody might have moved up a spot the other day when Bo Horvat was traded. Um, <laughs> and I think his name is Jacob Chikrin. Um, You know, I, I know that obviously we don't want to put you in any awkward positions. But I mean, the one thing is Jacob's healthy now. Um, I think he's uh, 11th in the league now in, in uh, amongst uh, in points per game for defensemen. I, w- I watched him play a couple games there in December against Montreal and Buffalo. I thought he was uh, by far Arizona's best player. Um, where do you where do you see this heading? And, and what is it? You know, how has he been handling? Um, you know, all of the the public speculation that j- just comes with his situation. Yeah, it really does. Part of it, it's gone on for so long. We're almost immune to it at this point. It's it's. It's really not. I mean, it's out there every day. And truly, my opinion as the father, I, I'd really love to see him have the opportunity to finally play on a on a playoff contender. I look at a lot of the guys I consider his peers on the blue line around the same age uh, that have had you know have had multiple runs in the playoffs and have had really great support. And and you know, he's really blessed to play in Arizona, but it would be really nice for him to play on on a, on a club with a, an opportunity to sort of showcase what he can do at at prime time. Um, but but you know, it's it, I think he's handled things really well. Last year was difficult with the new staff coming in, um, but this year his relationship with the coaching staff with Bill Armstrong, I mean, it's really good. It's and and I think that in that regard, and and and. To everybody's credit, everybody's everybody's worked on things, and and uh, uh, you know they they all understand what's going on, and really they just they've just asked him to go and perform. I think he's done a great job doing that. I I think it really speaks to my son's professionalism, his preparation. In my opinion, is is as good as it gets out there. He spends an awful lot of time and and resources on his on his maintenance and. He comes ready to play, and, and I think he's uh, he's a he's uh, really you know when you, when you go public like that, you really have to back it up, and I think he's done that, and and then some. And so, as a dad, I'm really proud of him. I mean, because it's not a comfortable situation, but I think everybody's handled it extremely well uh, from the Coyotes' perspective as well. So I'm uh, we're really fortunate in that. Yeah, Jeff, can, can I ask one thing, uh, uh, Rob, I don't want to interrupt you, but, um, yeah. you know, uh, like when he had that press conference during training camp, um, you know, is that something that you guys talk about right before that as a father, give him advice? Uh, because that was as forthcoming um, as I've ever seen a professional athlete. And I really set, I think it set the stage where almost he was now in control of, of at least getting his message out and not letting media run, run wild with speculation and, and why this and making up stuff and, and all that type of stuff. I mean, is that something that he discussed with you? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his agent and, 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 and the organization, quite frankly, ahead mm-hmm. of time. So I think it didn't catch anybody by surprise and it just sort of the truth sets you free, yeah. you know? And I think that was just that situation. Um, and, and I, well, and, you know, maybe that's had something to do with, with, uh, it's, it's no longer a distraction, in my opinion. I don't think it's a distraction in the room. I think everybody knows that there's uh, a trade probably looming. Um, but his relationship with the core, with the players in that room, I think is excellent. I I still believe he either is the leader or one of the leaders in that room. Um, and uh, I think I think his play a show. But I, I think the truth sort of 
just let the air out, let a lot of the air off his conscience. He did, he did. It's so difficult to go through, uh, you know, a, a season and denying things when rumors are out there. And, and, uh, it just, I think it, I think it was a really, uh, good thing to do, no matter how this plays out. I think the truth is out there and it, I think the truth allows people to recover. And, and if you're constantly denying something or it, it's all, it, it's always going to be there, but the truth kind of puts a, a nail in that coffin and just stops a bleeding and okay, let's, here we are, you know, let's go play. And I think it was a really good move. That being said, I, I like Russo and yourself. I go on all those rumor websites every single day and you see all the teams that are rumored. I try not to go on them. Oh, so okay, clear. maybe not. But, you know, you see the Edmontons, the Ottawa's, the Buffaloes. But the one thing that makes me laugh is Florida keeps getting brought up as well. I'm not trying to get you to speculate if he becomes a Panther, but how fun would your job be if he became a Panther? I would be uh, – I think I'd truly become a professional broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Out of a guy that played the game. I mean, listen, uh, for him to play here, for Brandon Duhame or Andrew Peake or Chase Prisky, any one of those guys, Shane Gostas, there to come here and play. It's like a kid growing up in Toronto playing for the Leafs, right? I mean, that's that's the team you grew up watching. And, and uh, you know, I look back at Jacob and, and, you know, watch, you know, I used to tell all the boys, watch Jay Bowmeister when he skates. You know, yeah. he's the, the best skater in the game. His head's always up and... You watch Dewey and you watch uh, Jacob play. That's how they play. Their heads like this constantly, and they can both skate. I mean, uh, you know, Ole Jokinen was always here. They they had a lot of time with Ole Jokinen. Uh, Corey Stillman was here for a while, and you know, Corey's not with the Coyotes right now, but one of the coaches there. Uh, so had a real impact. But for me, it would be unbelievable. Really, he may ask me to retire. Actually, <laughs> so much. <laughs> but uh, be an exciting yeah, they're an exciting club. They got great ownership here. The fan base is Michael knows it gets a bad reputation, but it's it's a really good fan base. Uh, and like most places, they appreciate it when you're winning. So yeah, well, Jeff, as you know, I mean, look, uh, when I covered that team when they first moved into that new arena, I was in there in a hard hat. I remember when they were constructing right. it, yep. and they they acquire Pavel Bure. They're selling that place out. He's scoring 58 and 59 goals for the Panthers. You know, when you have years and years and years of losing, any fan base, I don't care if you're in Toronto or Calgary or Montreal, you're, you're going to just lose that. You know, you're, there's going to be cynicism in the marketplace, and, and I think that's the one thing that I think that fans that love to rip on the Panthers and their fans don't realize is that if they have a, a consistent success the way they do on the other side of the state, you're going to get the same type of rabid fan base in that arena. Without a doubt. And Michael, I've been a season ticket holder since day one. I was still playing. My wife's family had them. So we've, we've kept them up. We have them to this day. So I saw those. And once, once Mr. Heising has sold the club, there were several ownership groups. None of them had, none of them could probably afford the hockey club. Uh, there were a lot of bad night, a lot of bad coaching decisions, in my opinion. Some people that, you know, they hired one guy twice. Uh, and, and I just think some of those things, like you said, it, it becomes a trend and, and, and reputation goes a long way. And I just, they, they never, they were never able to gain traction. Pavel came in, had a, had, had a couple of good seasons and then in, the injury bug sort of bit him and, and it just never, never took hold. Now they're so blessed. I got Vinny Viola in there. He's got, it's a stable franchise. He invests a lot in the club and the people that work at it. And it's a really exciting place to be. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of investment in the future of this hockey club. So 
Yeah, I think it's it's a complete different direction than it was. I mean, I we had a lot of a lot of quiet nights as a season ticket holder there, leaving, <laughs> and you kind of walk in the building. It's like you, you almost knew they didn't have a chance on a lot of nights. Yeah. So it's it's completely different uh, different model right now. And Jeff, um, you know, I wouldn't uh, be doing my job as a wild beat writer to not ask you. Um, we've we've mentioned Brandon Duham several times on this podcast. You got to coach him. You've gotten. I'm sure there's just a pride to see him where he's gotten right now with the Minnesota Wild. Um, what is your best Brandon Duham story as a kid? Because you got to see him when he was just growing up into this very intense, very physical uh, hockey player. Yeah. There's so many with Brandon. I mean, he was that young kid that he always seemed to have street smarts to him, you know, from the time he was six years old and, uh, you know, he would, uh, you know, he was all, he always had skill. He always knew how to sort of maybe, you know, skirt, the skirt the law a little bit during practice, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, he always, he could always really skate. He could always really shoot. And, and, you know, his dad was a bit of a skill guy, but with, but, but Trev, like Trev liked to drop the gloves as well too. But maybe my favorite story was sort of at the end of our, end of our, uh, our coaching, uh, Brandon, we were playing for the Florida Everblades and, uh, his mom had told me Brandon was going to go to British Columbia to, I think his pursuit of excellence, one of those yep. academies out there the next year so. Uh, we were playing a tournament in Boston. I probably told you this one, Michael. And uh, my dad came down from Otto. He's helping Trev and I on the bench. And uh, 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 Bart Wilson, so Rick Wilson's son. Rick was my assistant coach with the Kings. He's running the the Dallas Stars team. And we do these showcases where we go into a city. We play a lot of games, six games on a weekend. And like long periods, like 18 minute periods and, and we offered like cheap hotels and, and that type of thing. But we really wanted to maximize on the travel and the hockey experience. So my Florida Everblades teams, we were short bodies and we had a couple of injuries. We were probably down to 12, 13 kids. Dallas was down a couple too. I think, uh, uh, Seth, uh, Caleb Jones was on that team. So Bart and I were having this discussion. What are we going to do? Let's shorten the period. Let's go 14 minute periods. Okay, 14. We'll do 14 minute period. Well, I bring this. Brandon's Brandon's 13 at this time. I go back walking into the into the room. And I say, okay, guys, great, great, great idea. We're gonna shorten the periods here. They're tired. We're tired. We're gonna shorten the periods. We're gonna go into 14 minute periods for this game. Dewey goes, Coach. <laughs> You play 20 minute periods, those guys are going to be tired. Like, we couldn't possibly be tired. So, I'm like, Dewey, wow. love it, buddy. <laughs> struggle by the third period. But that was him. He was a bit of a locker room attorney. <laughs> age. And uh, yeah, just uh, just a great kid and and so fun, so much fun to watch. And and yeah. you know, he brought it every night. Like, you guys are. I'm, I have no doubt in my mind he could play further up that lineup in Minnesota. Yeah, I think he might. Uh, I think there's going to probably be a trade in the offing here that's going to actually elevate him in the lineup soon. So we'll see. Great. Yeah. Jeff, we're going to let you go in a second, but um, we started this conversation talking about the alumni game. So I think it's only fair that we finish talking about your career. I'm a hockey nerd. Anytime we have a former NHLer on, I love doing deep dives. and I get into one of those webs on hockey reference where suddenly it's two hours later. And I was diving into your your career, and the one thing I thought was just awesome, uh, 262 games played, 22 career assists, okay? But the biggest one had to be, it's almost the, uh, we just passed the anniversary, January 12th, 1992. You look at the score sheet, and it says, Yari Curry, 
from Wayne Gretzky and Jeff <laughs> Chikrin. Uh, you were one of your 22 assists came as part of one of the greatest one, two punches in history. Do you remember that? Uh, I probably don't, but I do remember, uh, leaving Philadelphia and Dave Poole and telling me, Hey, check, if you're ever in doubt, just give it the 99. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I probably came around the, probably came around the wall, threw it off the glass. Gretz picked it up in the neutral zone and feathered one to Yari and he went roof with it. It's probably how that happened. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I can uh, probably paint that a hundred different ways with those two. That's I was going to say, it's years later. You went end yep. to end, gave it to Wayne, who just yeah. tipped it over yeah. to Yari. You'd take all the credit. The score sheet doesn't say how. Yeah, those two are nothing without the support group, right? <laughs> exactly. And you are carrying Wayne and Yari. Uh, Jeff, yeah. thanks so much for doing this. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the festivities. We'll talk to you soon. Guys, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, have a blast tonight, Jeff. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Big thanks to Jeff Chikrin for coming on and telling stories the way only he could tell them. After the break, rapid fire. So don't go anywhere. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, boys, are your favorite time of the show and mine? Rapid fire. Uh, number one, we had an e-bug this week, guys. Matt Berlin uh, got to go into the game with three minutes left. Edmonton, uh, you know, had a big lead and they they, they got him in there. Um, Steve Wino, this is like great stuff for him. Remember, he wrote the book on the e-bug, which I guess they've changed the rule because in the past they, they weren't allowed to do that. He talked right. about it in the, in the book. Um Anyone who doesn't like this is 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 like a Grinch of some sort because I'm I saw the smile on this guy's face afterwards and it was like what what a moment for this guy and since Jesse only wants to ever talk about goalies we'll start with you yeah it was great I, I don't think we can call it e bug it's just the bug right yeah it wasn't an emergency there was no emergency no that's right that's, well <laughs> four o'clock in the afternoon I think is an emergency for a seven o'clock game isn't it 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was cool. It was a great moment. Uh, it was good for him. I'm glad he got to make an easy little blocker save into the corner so that he can uh, end his career with a thousand percent save percentage. Uh, pretty great. Um, cool moment. I uh, loved the uh, the old like Canadian University pad setup that he had. It was it was it was really cool. Um, like you said, I didn't think I honestly when they put him in, I was like, I thought that was against the rules. I th- I thought you were only allowed to put them in if it was an emergency. Um, so, so cool that they have changed the rules so they can let that guy get his uh, 15 minutes of fame. Uh, well, I think what happened with that one is that, that they signed him technically to an ATO before the game because Stuart Skinner oh. was sick. So he was, uh, he was the backup um, all game. Um, so that was the only difference there. He wasn't like a technical e-bug uh, situation where he was upstairs. Um, if, if, as long as I read that right, because I was not watching, but I saw all the online and I just think it was, you know, the, the one thing I do, I do deep down wonder what the Chicago Blackhawks thought of it. I mean, it was a little bit of an embarrassing thing. I would like to see Jesse Granger as an e-bug. Don't you think he could be half sports writer, but then all of a sudden... If they there's a pinch in a Vegas Golden Knights game for them or the opponent, Jesse runs down, suits up, and we just deal with not having a story the next day. Or you could just write about yourself. Yeah, hell Our of a story. whole pod would be on that. I don't. I, I don't care if 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 Wayne Gretzky is coming back to the NHL. We would only talk about Jesse <laughs> yeah. being an e-bug. I think the biggest th- the biggest thing was what would be the reaction of the Vegas Golden Knights if either one he was in their uniform or two even more exciting in the other team's uniform and they got to shoot on Jesse. Um, Kelly McCrimmon might actually suit up for that game. <laughs> I, I think I think they might all score their career high in goals, even if I'm only in there for like six minutes. Not just because I'm not very good, but also the the, the motivation. Um, uh, yeah, it would be <laughs> huge. Be there. Your yeah. post-game piece would be great. I spoke to it Jesse would. after the game, and uh, he had this to say. <laughs> Said Granger. Oh, man. Disney-like. I love it. Uh, Rapid-fire topic number two. Ordinarily, guys, when we talk about Daryl Sutter and his post-game press conferences and quotes and and stuff like that, we love it. I mean, I know I do. I think it's hilarious. This is the first time that we're really seeing a little bit of um, negativity towards something he said. Jacob Peltier was called up um, and made his NHL debut. Uh, the one thing about Sutter that we do kind of know, he's got a reputation for not necessarily loving rookies very much. He was asked about him after the game, and he really played it up. He said, well, what number was he? And he's looking on the stat sheet, and he reads the stat sheet. It really felt like he was trying to keep someone down a peg on what should be the greatest night of your life to up until that point. Um, I, I remember reading about it and I hadn't seen it. I went back and watched it and I went, why are you trying to shit on this kid's first first game? I I, I didn't get it. What do you think, Brazil? Yeah, um, you know, just because I like Daryl Sutter, I actually found it kind of comical. But then when you just think about the context and everything you just said, it just, it was needless. Um, you know, I don't, I'm sure after the fact, you know, like sometimes I just feel like he tries to do intentionally a deadpan comedy routine. And just figured everybody would find it funny. Um, and I bet, yeah, after the fact, he probably realized that maybe he shouldn't have done it. That's just my my gut on it. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he actually couldn't care less that, that he offended some people. Some people thought it was just in bad taste. Um, I could see that point of view 100%. For me, because I wasn't in that room and didn't have to write a big feature on Peltier. Because that's the other thing, too. Sometimes, you know, Pete DeBoer is great at this, right? Um, yes. You know, like, sometimes you realize... 
the writer needs to write that story, and I'm just going to give him what, give him or her what he wants or she wants. Even if it's a yes or no question, even if it's a yes or no, you know know what I'm looking for, right? Look, I mean, somebody, you know, let's be honest. Especially in Calgary, you got multiple writers at games. Some doing the gamer, some's writing a column, some's doing a sidebar. Some there are people there that need to write a Peltier feature off his first NHL game, and and you got to just, you know, just just play ball, right? And so in that one, I just think that Daryl probably. Um, you know, realizes I would assume that he probably should have just played ball a little more. Uh, it wouldn't shock me at Brad Tree Living or, or somebody said to him after the game, "Hey, look, in the future, just come on, just answer the question." <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, Pete. Pete was so great at like he he understands what yeah. we're doing really well, and he would like give anecdotes or he he'd tell a story, even if it's like something that he doesn't even care. Like you could tell he was doing it for the writer so that they could right. write that story. Um, in terms of this. The first thing I thought is, like, why? Why are we doing this? Like, he knows who this player is. Like, acting like he doesn't know who the player is. Oh, first of all, if he doesn't know who the player is, he should be fired today. That's a problem. That's a problem. Right. Yeah. Major, major problem. Um, I remember <laughs> Gerard Gallant, when the Golden Knights first started their first training camp ever, and, like, it was a brand new team with 30 new guys. We were asking him about players, and he's like, you guys, I don't even know their names yet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this reminded me of that, except for yeah. this is one player, and he's making his NHL debut. You clearly know who he is. I'm just wondering, like, why? Why is? Why are you doing this? Like, is it to shit on this player who just, like you said, had the greatest moment of his life? Like, if that's, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand why he did it. It makes no sense. If I'm the player, I'm like, what the hell, coach? Um, just makes no sense to me. Unless, like Mike said, he's just trying to be funny and failed yeah. at it. My, it, my gut says that's what he's trying. Yeah, that, unless he actually just didn't think he played a good game and wanted to be an ass. But uh, that'd be my guess is that he was trying to do a typical Daryl Sutter you know, comedy routine and it probably failed. I think miserable. he was taking a shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what, Green, what, what Jesse just said that reminded me is uh, years ago, um, one of the writers in Minnesota asked Boudreaux about a defenseman that he thought had a chance to make the team at a camp and was going to do a big profile on him because he was local you know from minnesota and boudreaux just goes who and we were like a week and a half into camp boudreaux's like who what number and i i remember being done with that interview and i said to the writer i'm like you might want to pass on writing that story now he's <laughs> gonna be a <laughs> contender to make the team we're a week and a half into camp and boudreaux doesn't even know freaking who you're talking about name or number so camp is one thing calling a guy up like come on and, and again i just look at it as there are certain moments in a player's career where yeah. look, if this is a veteran and he plays like shit, rip him. Yeah. Right. Give the guy but, his day. Yeah. But years from now, you know, that player is now gonna have a story about his first NHL game and the and, and how much he impressed the coach, that's for sure. Uh final rapid fire topic, guys. This one was interesting incident that happened on the ice and spilled over into social media, which I know is Russo's favorite topic to discuss. Um during a scrum, Trevor's egress said something to thoroughly piss off Troy Stetcher. What he said, we don't know. But of course, in the age of social media, everyone started dissecting every little frame to see what he said. There was speculation online that he had said something about Stetcher's father who passed away a couple of years ago. Um, It's since come out, or at least that that didn't happen. We still don't know. But um, it's amazing how something like this can just explode. All we do know is inappropriate comments were made. He got a 10-minute misconduct as well. Uh, your thoughts on this whole thing? Because I found it found it interesting. Let's just let's just stay at that. Russo? Yeah, I mean, he said something, obviously, that set 
Troy Stetcher, who I don't know, but everybody says he's mild-mannered into a rage. Um, what is scary about it, and I do think that Zegris realized that he said something that put him into a rage that was inappropriate, because even when in the box they panned to Zegris, and you could almost see on his face that he probably realized that he went over the line. Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, what is scary to me, though, is, and look, uh, again, what Rob just said, is that both sides have come out and made it just very clear. They haven't said what he said. They've made it clear from Phoenix's standpoint that something inappropriate was said, but Stetcher's not saying what it was, but they are saying that it had nothing to do with his father passing away. So that's good. Um, but what is scary that I think all players need to realize now is that it is no longer what's said on the ice stays on the ice world that we live in. There are cameras everywhere. There's social media people that are trying to dissect every little thing. I don't like lip reading. Um, I was part of a story years ago with um, with Chris Gratton that um, a Florida writer, beat writer, tr- tried to lip read something that he was said and it turned into a huge story and I still don't think it was accurate. It was a, it was a really you know defaming thing that was essentially written um, and and reported about Chris Gratton, luckily in an age of social media, so it was kind of buried. Um, and and you know the flyers completely denied it at the time. Um, and I just think that now we are in this age where players need to realize that there are one microphones everywhere, but two cameras everywhere, and that this is the world that we're going to live in. And so you know, I, I think that this needs to be a um, you know a, a cautionary tale for not only Trevor Zegers but all NHL players that you should probably be very, very, very careful what is said in the heat of battle now. And and the other thing that I would say from our standpoint, media and fans alike, is to always remember that this is the heat of battle. And obviously, Zegers said something here that turned up into a rageful moment that was probably inappropriate. But I think that we all always need to realize that you know if we had ca- if we had microphones that heard every single word on the ice, we would probably all be disgusted on an every night basis. And um, so I'm sort of all over the place on this, but I think that um, it just we all need to realize that um, that this is the world that we live in now, and players better be careful. Yeah, I mean, you're all over the place, but you covered like every topic and you covered it great. I have nothing else to add to it. Um, so, no, no, seriously, though, like the, the fact like these games have been televised forever, but not like they are now, yeah. not with 1080p high definition, 4K ultra slow motion. We can slow your lips down and and ev- and then there. And so then you add all that onto and now there are seven billion people on Twitter watching this video to try to see what you said. Like, the, the, I, I totally agree with your point that. Um, the players should take this as a lesson. Yeah. Like you, whatever he said was clearly inappropriate. And just the, the other, if you say something, if you say something that crosses the line and that, and that you wouldn't want everyone in the world to know you said, don't Maybe say don't it on say the it ice. because you're, yeah. because yeah. you're, it's probably going to happen. You're probably, they're probably going to yeah. find out that you said. And just remember, like, you know, it's just like, you know, you, like, you know, we've seen always the YouTube videos of, uh, you know, whether it's Chris Berman or O'Reilly, you know, that lose their mind, but it didn't know it was being taped at the time. Everything is open. Like there are open, there are mics everywhere. There's players that are now mic'd up. You know, there's, there's somebody in that truck that ha- has the raw audio of what was said. And this stuff can get out eventually. Like, you know, I, I was just in the situation room, and I don't think what even broadcasters realize is that they have, when they are not on the air during pregame show, and they're getting ready, and they're doing all the weird stuff with their ties and joking around and all that stuff to the producer, every single thing that is said is in that situation room. So that stuff is being taped somewhere. 
And like, this is just the world that we live in now, even, even on Zoom. Sometimes, you know, we'll get off, the, we'll end this podcast and start shooting the breeze. Well, until Jeff Domet hits recording stop, this stuff is being recorded. And so like, you know, we just, I think all need to realize, and especially in this day of age of cancel culture, you always one bad thing to say, one bad tweet to put out of your like career end. And I just think that this, you know, really um, needs to be a cautionary tale for all NHL players that you better freaking zip it. Well said. And since we have completely ignored the word rapid in rapid fire. That's uh, me. We're <laughs> when you added I, me to this show, I should have told you that there's no such thing as rapid, rapid fire. Rapid with Russo. Are you kidding me? Uh, 30 seconds or less. What are you working on this week, Jesse? All-star stuff. Yeah. I'm excited. Going to Florida. Going to talk to some uh, non-Golden Knights players. As the Golden Knights writer, I pretty much talk to these guys every day. Um, I'm excited to talk to some other hockey players. Yeah, uh, same thing. Um, uh, we, we all, uh, so uh, Jesse Granger, Mark Lazarus, and myself are covering this for The Athletic. We have all a bunch of projects we're working on that you're going to see not just this week, but in the future. We'll be doing sights and sounds uh, stories from the All-Star Game. We got an NHL player poll that we're conceptualizing right now that we're hoping to do at NHL Media Day. NHL Media Day is a bit hectic, so we hope that that works out. Um, and then uh, I'm working on a big feature on the Wilds assistant GM, Chris O'Hearn. He is your he is your prototypical get your foot in the door and then take it from there person this guy started as a stick boy for the winnipeg jets and the and the phoenix coyotes now he's assistant gm of the the minnesota wild Do, working on a feature on him and then we're all working on this project called behind the trade at the athletic and i just i think my story is kicking off the series that'll be starting um here in february i did it on the jason zucker trade to the pittsburgh penguins and all the behind the scenes stuff that happened when he was almost traded to the national predators when he was almost traded to the calgary flames and when he was almost traded to the pittsburgh penguins for the first time and phil kessel wouldn't waive his no trade uh that that will lead off our blitz here and it, it there's so much inside stuff into that story i've already written in it's already in and being edited so i'm excited for that to kick off the series a minute 12. You were yep. a minute 12. <laughs> <laughs> but we love you, Russo. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Want to remind everybody out there of a couple things. If you want to get that annual subscription to The Athletic, it's just two bucks a month uh, for a year. When you visit, visit theathletic.com slash hockey show and you can subscribe to The Athletic's YouTube page right now. Uh, YouTube.com slash The Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, and we're going to be back. Uh, tomorrow with Ian Mendez and down goes Brown. And remember, listen to Tuesday's show, write in, call in, bitch and moan about the NHL 99, what what you liked or didn't like about the rankings. I think Brodeur should have been maybe 75, 76. Uh, just wanted to piss Jesse off. Big thanks to Jeff Chikrin for coming on. Uh, Russo, Jesse and I will be back next week. Mike Rupp from the NHL Network will join us. So we'll see you in seven days.